The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me this evening on this Monday night is Rick. Yeah, how you going, Maka? <laughs> Good. Don't sound too, uh, to too upset, mate. I'm very excited to be here tonight. I can tell. Yes, I can tell. Very As exciting. I said in the in the, uh, in the preview, I'm, uh, I'm all ginned up and uh, ready to go. I'm in a good mood. You friggin' better be pissed because that's the only way you're going to get through my ranting for the next 60 minutes, Macca. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only way you're going to survive. Oh, that's the way. Good stuff. Yes. All right. Well, <clears throat> what a wonderful weekend of football it was. Um, let's, uh, let's get cracking and discuss it with uh, love and hate. One thing we loved, and uh, we'll keep it to one thing we hated this week. Um, what was your love, if you've got one? I don't know if I've actually got one. Um, I no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's anything to love in a in the world of AFL football this week, unless you can find me something. But our players were insipid, uninspired, um, and then I saw that replay of the the St Kilda fifty meter penalty today, which was just absolutely farcical and a disgrace. Um, mm. To sportsmanship, um, so there's no loving there. Uh, blatant thuggery. So no, nah, I got nothing. You got something? You got nothing. I've got nothing either, really. I've got. Well, actually, I do have one. I've got one. I actually met Dylan this week, so he's my love this week. He's a legend. I got to give him a hug and I bought him a beer. He's a good guy. Did he just talk about me for the whole time you were with him? Oh, your name did come up. Yeah. Ah. Uh... Is he still wearing that T-shirt with my name and picture on it? Nah, not anymore. Oh, Dylan, nah. what's going on, man? Nah. <laughs> I heard he's given that yeah. to his Labrador to wear over winter, but yeah. Hey, it would make it. It would make a. Uh, it'd make a good dog blanket. Mm. There you go. Yeah, but then, how was it? What did you chat about? Just Port Adelaide all the Just time. General life and uh, Port stuff, mate. Oh, good I have a love. Have you a have a love. love. There you go. I do. Self-promoted plug. It's friggin' tax season. So how <laughs> awesome is that? A bit like summer for Soto's Fish and Chip Shop down at Semaphore. Uh, this is my summer um, tax season. So it's all a frenzy. And it's crazy. We decided that at the last minute we're going to have a, a uh, tax office portable at Tea Tree Plaza. So feel free to come up and say good day if you see me there because uh, I'll uh, I'll probably be manning the booth quite a bit because we'll have no one else to do it so uh, I'll probably be looking for someone to have a chat to that's it good stuff awesome yeah I like that that's a good love yeah we'll, we'll accept it is a that good love. love yeah yeah that's it well what's your hate this week ha huh. uh plenty um <laughs> Where do you want to start? Well, we can start with annoying clients. They can be they can be a, a hate sometimes, but we won't go there. Mm. Uh, what I what I'm thinking is um, because there's lots of plenty of good ones like footballers. Well, I guess it was the failure to short circuit um, that little patch that Richmond did in halfway through the third quarter 
Um, and I was on the half back line for us, and I could just see everything that was happening, and it was so yep. predictable. Yep. And I, I noticed you made reference to it in your comments as well, mm-hmm. um, that it was so predictable, and we did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the moment they kicked that first goal and then they kicked that second goal, I think you said the same thing. I knew it was over. Game over, mate. Game over Once straight they away. Did, it was, they weren't even in front and I knew it was <clears> game <throat> over. Yeah. You, you could because... sense it. You could sense it at the ground. Like, I went in pretty cocky. I thought we would win quite comfortably. Um, just because I thought, no, nah, we're really going to turn up tonight. This is a, this is a pressure game. We're, this one's the one that we're going to make count. But 10 minutes into the game, I thought, oh, I'm really feeling unsure about how we're going here. We're trying to play party-time football, and it's just not working. Like, so many sort of, like, short, dinky kicks weren't coming off or, you know, just hitting, well, sorry, not hitting simple targets. But we we just sort of stayed in front, and I just knew, and I'm sure everybody else knew, like, when we were, like, five goals, 12 or whatever... This is going to come back and bite us on the ass, as it always does. And then Robbie kicked that goal in the third quarter, and I thought, oh, maybe that's the steadier. Maybe we'll go away with it now. But as soon as they kicked that goal straight away, and then they kicked that second one within 30 seconds, I turned and said, that's that's it. Game over. We're done. We are done. And I hate that it came true. I hate that we're so predictable like that. It's it's just a real shame that you can sense these things happen uh, before they happen and you're just helpless to stop it. Well, I guess the frustrating part is that we know this playing group for so long now um, that it's just so predictable, but the coaches do nothing about it. They're mm. ignorant uh, to the fact. I mean, us supporters, the bulk of us that are educated and not blinded by love and, uh, and bias... Uh, we see this week in, week out, and it's happened not even for the last three years, but there was a five, if we forget, don't want to forget, there was a five-year period before that as well where very similar things were happening. Um, so it's been a systematic cultural issue um, for quite some time. And the leaders just don't stand up when it matters, and it's so unport Adelaide, it's not funny because our leaders have always led, led from the front in our history, and it's also our coach who's been been ruthless at selection. And I don't think former coaches would have tolerated uh, the inadequacies, especially in front of goals, that some of our players continue to stack up. And some of them would be made accountable for, which is they would have been traded or they would be dropped. And, Mm. uh, And it doesn't seem to happen now anymore at this modern Port Adelaide Football Club. We want to be these nice guys that look after and just be nice. And unfortunately, nice doesn't win you premierships. Yeah, that's right. That's very true. We've had quite a few um, <clears throat> messages in the uh, Spreaker chat already. Um, Pommy Power said, yeah, it was unreal. They just walked in for three in a row. Uh, Bevan's hate is that it's been two and a half years of the same shit. Um, Porsche has said, remember that we're barracking for a top five side. And if you can't appreciate that, what's wrong with you? Right, Macca? That's right. And uh, Dylan said the positive of the loss was watching a particular big footy personality in rare form with an anti-Hinkley rant by the fourth. Who was so, that? Yes. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, can neither, I can neither confirm nor deny who that was. <clears throat> hey, I'll, I'll take you up, though. I don't think we were playing show pony football. I, I think, think we what, were. What, I reckon no, we were. I think, 
we were trying to play a possession, systematic approach game of football. Show pony football would have been playing with courage. This is how I determine show pony. Playing with courage and a bit of flair, a bit of over-the-head handballs like Richmond were doing, uh, you know, the no-look hand passes, the, the cheeky check-side kicks on 45 See, that's, degrees. that's what I thought we were doing. I don't think so. I think mm. we were trying to play this slow possession-type game plan to try and get through the zone, and uh, we just did not be, have a, at any time have an ability to ramp up and change the speed of the game. Mm. And the, the sort of exaggerated example I used on the forum yesterday was, you know, if we're going to keep spotting up short kicks quarter after quarter after quarter to try and pin pass our, our way through the zone, it actually doesn't um, create any fear for the defensive team uh, that we're going to do any different and their game plan is going to come unstuck. Now, what's wrong with like getting those players that are 25 metres away from the kicker, let's say from the 50 metre line, taking them to 60 metres out from the kicker and outnumbering the opposition, which have got all, would have all these redundant players at the zone, and getting a Hartlett, a Broadbent, or a Sam Powell Pepper, who are probably our biggest kicks and most accurate kicks, to just drive at 60 metres long, and we would be out numerically advantaged by having more players around the fall of the ball. I mean, I know yeah. it's a bit of a dramatic example. What would happen, though, is Richmond all of a sudden will be going, hey, What's the point of having these guys so close to the zone if they're not actually going to be influencing the play and ports outnumbering the, the fall of the ball? But, you know, something stupid like that is actually going to just change up um, the defensive structure of Richmond because it's going to make, make them think twice. It was like our old plan B where we used to just do a, a, a screw punt from the kick-in down to Matty Wyatt in the open space and then he'd run forward and kick a goal. You know, yeah. at least something like that was actually just playing with the opposition to make them think twice. Um, you know, we're not even doing anything like that, and there's no plan B, which has been a criticism of a lot of us supporters for quite some time. And yeah. and that was uh, that was quite evident uh, on Saturday night, and it was very very disappointing. For sure, for sure. Um, look, my hate this week, <clears throat> and it's been my hate, oh. I reckon, about twelve times. Have you, have you got a hate? Sorry, oh, I just sort of. I sort of took over, didn't I? <laughs> That's all good. I've um, I've probably got about five, but I'll keep it to one. I've probably done this about 12 times over the last couple of years, but I hate our goal kicking. Um, just, I'm just so sick of losing in the exact same way time and time again without learning anything. Like, what do we take from that loss that we didn't already know? Like, what's something new that we took from that that we didn't already know this year? Nothing. I've, got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing at all. Like it's the same mistakes being made over and over and over again. You know, eight goals, fifteen. That's ridiculous. Like I've got no more to say about it, really, because I feel like I've gone over it about fifteen times. But it, what can we do to improve our goal kicking? Because it's just not good enough. It's cost us games. It's cost us finals. It's cost us a spot in a grand final. And still, two years on, nothing's changed. Well, it's technique, Macca. I was watching Melbourne a couple of weeks ago play, and you know their set shot kicking was fantastic. And the thing you could notice was all the players were forward momentum and they kept their head over the ball. Now, I will put, I will preface this with I would have to be the worst kicker of a football in the history of mankind. So, you know, I can't be a hypocrite. But watching professional players, what I know, you keep your head still, uh, you keep your head over the ball, and you kick through the ball. 
right? Mm. And too many port players, they lean back and then they lift their head early. It's like a bad swing and goal. Well, we poke and, at it. And we, uh, we poke at it. We don't kick through it. And um, again, we don't do... We haven't improved at all. Do we have a specialist goal-kicking coach? Are we actually adding extra sessions in the goal-kicking? And if we are, these players don't have an ability to learn and improve, and they have to be shipped off, unfortunately to say, because I can tell you now, if they can't kick goals under pressure in the home and away season, they're not going to be able to kick goals in the finals, right? No. And not only that, it's symptomatic of their mindset that if they can't handle that pressure in the home away season... Well, A, they're probably not going to get us the finals anyway. But B, if they do get the finals, they're going to crumple because they're not going to be able to handle the pressure. And, you know, again, the soft Port Adelaide that we've become, the meat Port Adelaide, um, we just tolerate these players where in the past they would have been traded off or delisted and yeah. we would have got hard players in. Yeah. That's right. It, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. Like, honestly, it's just it's just baffling. Like... <laughs> Like at half time, just before half time, when we were like, I don't know, four goals, 11 or something, I was just sitting there almost laughing to myself, just thinking, you can just tell what's going to happen in the next hour. Um, it's just a real shame. But anyway, we'll I move on tell... to our questions. Okay. We'll move on to questions. Needs gravy. This is on the same uh, sort of uh, path. Is it our goal kicking routine or our forward line structure, which has our players taking set shots from the boundary? or having to snap for goal, which contributes most to our goal-kicking inaccuracy? No, that's not, that's not true. They're not even all from the boundary. Sam Gray hit the post, and he, he was on a 45-degree angle max. There's no way. In modern AFL football, that's not the boundary. Matt White's missed opportunity was not from the boundary. Yeah. So, well, his um, three opportunities weren't from the boundary. No, that's right. They're not but from I, the I will agree that um, if you look at our goal-kicking chart, I would say more often than not... Uh, um, our shots on goal are often uh, further into the pockets than straight in front. Yeah, but that's and and it's noticeable, like, even the commentators have now started bringing up again the whole, oh, we, we deliberately kick to the pocket, so if we don't mark it, it goes out of bounds, so we can have a throw in and use Ryder to our advantage. Well, it's not really an advantage, because if we're, we're bad enough kicks in like dead in front of goal, like Dixon misses as many sodas as what Butcher ever did, let alone Robbie Gray, let alone Sam Gray. Um, so when you're putting them on a, a more difficult angle, it just like, makes things harder and harder. Um, so it's not actually an advantage to us um, kicking to the pocket at all because all we end up doing is just kicking behind after behind. Well, look at Ollie Wines kick the goal. That wasn't a tough angle for an no. AFL footballer. And I can't even remember, <clears> did he even get a point or was it out on the full? I can't even remember. I remember the shot, but I don't remember... Yeah, uh, Mick Harrison says it was out on the full. Yeah, well, there you go. Can't even, uh, couldn't even get a point, you know, from thirty-five meters out. Um, yeah, it's look, it's just well, yeah, fair look, enough. I, on, in the old sort of Choco era, when it was Brendan Lay to Sean Burgoyne, and Burgoyne was a dead-eyed dick who would always kick those goals. Fair enough. That's fine. You know, fair enough if we wanted to try and have bloody Daniel Motlop and Brett Ebert lead towards Rosette of the grandstand because that's how they wanted to play. Right, but this isn't 2006 or seven anymore. Like, we, we need to move on. We've got a, for, a, a team of for, a forward line who are poor kicks at goals as it is. We really need to work on our strategy here. 
And I wonder just how much Brendan Laid, it got mentioned on Big Footy, but I wonder how much Brendan Laid had to do with this game plan where we just sort of kick it to the pocket, considering he was so useful in that uh, in that bygone era. Was he the forward? Is he the forward coach? Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's been a game plan that we've been doing for a couple of years now, though. I don't, so I don't know if Brendan Laid can be the scapegoat for this one. Hmm. Um, I think it's probably more symptomatic of a, a slow um, movement of the ball, which means the opposition can flood that centre corridor of the defensive fifty forcing us to try and spot up a target because we've got no courage to actually kick long to our tall target, one tall target anyway. And um, and so we just go wide. And uh, whereas if we had fast ball movement and tried to beat the defensive flood, maybe we'd get it in there and have the courage to kick it to the goal square. A bit like what Richmond did. And I yeah. guess when we did kick it to the goal square, we kicked it to Jackson Trengove that was trying to, trying to tag a fullback. Yeah. I've never heard of a fullback being tagged before in my life. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, Powerade has asked the question, will we make the eight? Mm. We might get lucky. I think I mean, it We should still win I, enough games to make the eight. I, I would think at a minimum we're going to win 12. I, I, love think. The, I don't I love think the, we're going to yeah. win this week anymore. I thought if we win against Richmond, we will beat West Coast. But I can't see that happening anymore. And that really puts us in danger of missing out if we do sort of spill another game that we should really win. Um, we, we've got well, a decent run home. If we uh, beat, so I would if still we hope that 12 West... is is the no, way to go. I but reckon. Yeah, I don't know. I think if we lose the West Coast and we lose to Melbourne, I think we're pretty much cooked. Yeah. Because it really puts us... To... Like, a, a good percentage helps us in that regard. That's That's the one positive that we've got is that... If we do end up on the same wins as a bunch of other teams, we'll probably still get in because of our high percentage. Yeah, that's assuming we still have the high percentage. Well, yeah, well, that's true as well. Yeah. El Zorro yeah, to... has asked the question, is it better to microwave your membership card in high for 30 seconds or low for one minute? Nah, I'd do it in style. I'd have a little bonfire at the back and just chuck it into the into the 44-gallon drum. Yeah, low and slow, baby. That's what I reckon. Low and slow? Yeah. <laughs> or better, why don't you give it to a homeless person? At least they can have some shelter for a couple of hours in winter. That's right. Uh, Papagallo has asked, uh, Brett, Eddie is currently leading the Ken Farmer uh, by seven goals despite missing a couple of games. Do you think Port should look at drafting him? Yeah, that's a good idea because I think we're short of a tall target or two. So I think, um, I think having someone like Eddie on our roster could actually maybe help our... Um, our forward structure. I know that he has a bit of a query over his defensive ability, but mm. you know what? If he can come in and kick three goals a game, uh, well, you know, maybe we could move, we can sacrifice here and That's there. It. But uh, I think we really need another forward tall target. So, yeah, it couldn't hurt. Something to look forward to for next year, I think. If we could get him on the rookie list for next year, I think that's the way to go. Oh, tell me it ain't so. Could that happen? Possibly. We could. We could do that. Wow. What about Brendan Favola? Can we try and recruit him? Oh, possibly. Um, look, Feb would be a good stopgap for while Marshall is ready in uh, seven years' time. So, yeah, I think that's the way to go. I've got some. I've got some of those cheapest chips, poker chips. I could offer him. Yeah, that's it. Uh, right. Next question, Andre. Ken obviously won't or can't fix the same problem we have every close loss. 
lack of leadership, small forward line and ineffective. Is it time for KT to step in? If not to remove Ken, then at least to provide some direction on what's acceptable for selections. Mm. So can you say the question again? <laughs> Is it time for KT to step in? Um, if not to remove Ken, then to provide some direction on what's acceptable for selections. I uh, What's KT got to do with it? Well, he runs the club, so... Yeah, but... I don't yeah, think I, I disagree gonna... with the question. I disagree with the question. I don't, I don't think, think it's think... time for... I don't think one man should be sort of dictating um, selections. That's what happened in a previous era, and it didn't end well at all. So I don't see why we would look at that path again. And if he's going to step in, it's only going to be stepping in to say, can your time's up, surely? Yeah, that's right. It's not going to be... Because you've got to rely on the people to do the job that they're supposed to do. So... If he, if he doesn't have the confidence in Ken to do the job at the selection table, well, then he doesn't have the confidence in Ken to do the job. Then the one thing I've learned um, in business is if you're thinking of firing somebody, you're probably six months overdue from what you should have done in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Bomber Clifford has asked, um, REH has mentioned Ben Perkins in another thread. He's a nutcase. Uh, but has proven experience in getting results. Um, would engaging with him as a specialist kicking consultant sully our club or fall under the whatever-it-takes-to-win banner? What's wrong with him? Oh, he's a bit of a nutter. He's, um, yeah, he's a bit, bit what, of a strange what, cat. What bit of a strange cat, Ben Perkins. Just look up his Twitter. He's a bit of a strange cat. But I think he did a lot of work with Treadray back in the day. Um, so yeah, I... I don't see how it could sully our club at all. I reckon, um, yeah, do whatever it takes to win, mate. But I don't follow Twitter, so, um, yeah. Mm. But surely there's plenty of good kicks out there that are probably kicking coaches. Why does it have to be Ben Perkins? Maybe there's someone else out there. Maybe. Uh, Strike has asked, this is a good question, if you could both make one selection or positional change to make us an exciting to watch team again, what would it be? An exciting. Yep. One selection. Yep. Well, what would you do? I would bring in Bonner and play him on a forward flank. He's tall. He's got great pace. He's got a booming kick. He's a great kick for goal. That could be the type of change for me that could sort of revitalise our forward line a bit um, and add something that we don't currently have because he's... You know, 191 centimetres or so, got good pace, kicks goals. That would be an exciting change, I think. Uh, I'd probably... uh, I'd probably take out uh, Sam Gray and I'd put in Google Howard. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Provide a bit more tall versatility, uh, another defensive option down back if we need it as well. He's, he's, he's still pacey for a tall guy. That'd be yep. my option. Yep, I think a lot of people would agree with that one as well, I reckon. Uh, Porsche says, bring back the butch. The butch? But he was exciting. He was exciting. That's the definition of excitement, I reckon, seeing butcher run around that forward line. Has anyone created since Treadray the enthusiasm for our team that butcher has? I don't no. think so. I would almost go as far to say that he was almost more exciting than Treadray. Yeah. 
I think you could be right. Hmm. Uh, I love Nick, the Forge. That's it. Next, uh, next question, Strike has also asked, uh, we haven't had a rousing win at home since the Collingwood game after Phil Walsh died. That's two years ago this week. How is that possible? Was that a rousing win? It was a rousing win. That was a very good win. That's probably yeah. our last decent home win, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking like the Crows game, our first, the first game we played at Adelaide Oval. That's probably been my most inspiring game. How's it possible? I don't know. We've we've just got we just can't beat players. anybody. There was a stat I read on Big Footy this week, which was that we've won one out of sixteen games against top eight opposition at home in the last two years, or since the so start of two thousand sixteen. So why doesn't any of the media? Ask the club or the coach those hard-hitting questions. Mm. And why why isn't the coaching department held to account based on, based on such clear, obvious, um, poor performance to KPIs? It's just, um, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, you know, what, what excuse can you come up for that? Well, it, it's just not good enough. Is it? Like, it's all no. well and good to beat Brisbane by 80 points <laughs> you know, at your home ground, but our home ground is far from a fortress. It's far from any sort of uh, home at the moment, to be honest. No, it's a laughing stock. Mm. We're disrespecting we... the home ground. I love the comment the other <laughs> yesterday that was, Confucius say, if you do not beat any team in the top eight, you finish ninth. <laughs> yep. I thought, I can't remember who posted it, but that was a great quote. It was a good one. Uh, which leads me on to Pow- uh, Pommy Powers' uh, comment, which is the crowd was poor again on Saturday. Low noise, lots of groans, zero excitement and no belief, even being only two down at three-quarter time. Three or four years ago, we, the fans, would have belief. Now it's just gone. Will it ever come back? Well, I don't know about you, Macca, but I thought the crowd number was actually a pretty good crowd. Nah. 39,000, uh, that's a nah. good crowd. Nah, nah. That, nah. Should have been, that should have been 45 Perfect night. It was sunny all day. It was a little bit cold, but there was no wind, no rain. It was perfect weather for winter football against a team which has, you know, good showing in Adelaide, um, who's also played really good footy this year. That should have been 45-plus. Well, you can question... There was no Richmond supporters there. Oh, but there was. Nah, not There's that quite many. quite a few around us. Nah, I didn't see that many. Yeah, but, there would I have mean, been a good three... Probably four, I would say 4,000 at a minimum. You reckon? Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe 1,000. But I think the answer to the real question is why the why we don't have 45,000 is because if that's, if, if that's going to be the sign of AFL football to come in the future, um, it sucks a dog's turd, man. Honestly, the game that game style is horrendously bad. If I want to watch soccer, I'll go and watch soccer. I mean, are they try? Are they really trying to turn AFL football into a soccer game? I mean, you know, it was just it was. That's what it was like to me. It was just like a <clears throat> full-on zone nearly the whole time. Um, you know, a man standing next to a man, and um, with the only difference that Richmond were manning up a lot faster, whereas Port was allowing their men to just run off and have five, ten meters space. Um, before then, they put in some sort of effort to try and chase them down, but. It was just a slow stop-start, um, you know, forward mm. soccer press. And 
the only thing that's saving us from complete boredom in the game style of the modern AFL football is that there's some crap teams in the competition that can't do it well, so the game opens up and you get some fast attacking play. So, you know, the crowd atmosphere for the first five, ten minutes was fantastic, but then once it just went into the zonal play for the rest of the game, well, there was nothing to cheer because both teams are just trying to play keepy off or just go down the line and be defensive. So you don't have any high marks. You don't have any great uh, usage of skills. You don't have really the the forward 50 marks, you know, outside of the Charlie Dixon rants mark, which was a great mark. Um, you know, there, there was hardly any speckies in the game. Um, there's really, you know, it was just a lackluster game and I can see why people don't want to go and I can see why people were pretty quiet at the game. I was, I was, I was getting bored, to be yeah. honest with the game. Yeah, I was enthralled by it. I thought it was a very interesting game until we started losing. <laughs> um, but, so you yeah, like I, this modern style of football? Oh, it is what it is. No, that's not the question. Look, I always hark back to uh, you know the mid-90s. I reckon sort of early 90s through to about 2005... Until Neil Craig started all the defensive, the, the pure defensive stuff, I reckon um, that was like peak football for me. And it has gone down since then, for sure. Yes. And I feel, I feel exactly the same. I mean, I think there was too much thuggery back then, which has almost been cleaned out, except for Porsche's disgustingly dirty team. That must be the most dirty team in the competition right now, Melbourne. Shocking. But Shocking. Um, outside of that... Uh, it's 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 a struggle, I must admit. For me, it's becoming a struggle with this game game style, and I'm sure that's why there wasn't forty five thousand people there. Yeah. Uh, power, power, power! Has asked. Uh, I've now come across to Adelaide five times in the past three years to watch the footy and haven't seen a win. When will this stop? Well, maybe when you stop coming. You're yeah. obviously the problem. Probably. Stop it. Don't come. Stay anymore. away. Stay away. Yes. Because I'm not going to Melbourne anymore. Because I think I'm zero and six in my last six games in Melbourne. So well, I've, that's it. I've told Nic- I've told Nicole she's not welcome to come to the footy either because every time <laughs> I every time I bring her we lose too. So that's it. She's banned as well. That's it. Uh, we'll quickly get through the last couple of questions here. Um, CT Power has asked: By the time a player is drafted, his foot skills are what they are. They're either a good kick or they're not. Uh, there's only a few players whose foot skills actually improve with uh, specialised additional coaching. Do you agree with that statement? Oh, you're the drafting expert, but yes and oh, no. I'd say it's, people, it's, I think more often than not, I would, I would agree with that. I, I struggle to think of a bad kick who's become a really good kick. Wasn't like, that the like You can go from like a pepper? 6 out of 10 kick to an 8 out of 10 kick, but you can't become you can't be a three out of ten kick and become an eight out of ten kick. I don't reckon. Yeah, but not many three out of ten kicks get drafted. Oh come on, there's lots. Unless unless you're there's, right. there's lots of athletes who are terrible kicks of the football that get drafted every year. Mm. Well, wasn't SPP supposed to be a poor kick? Yeah, as I've said before, that that was overrated. His bad kicking was terribly overrated. He was never that bad a kick. Right. It was just people looking at one particular highlights package where he missed a few targets and 
sort of stretching it that out to be, oh, he's the worst kick of a footballer I've ever seen, which is uh, rubbish. But... Was he was he tanking to get to Port Adelaide? Because everyone wants oh. to play at Port Adelaide. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Because, you know, when you come to Port Adelaide, it's a great opportunity. You never get dropped or you never get sacked. That's it. Uh, Longley PAFC has asked, uh, is our list manager to blame? Um, he gives the example of we're highly relying on defensive forwards and fast and accurate wingers. Yet we entered the year with Need as a defensive forward and Monfries, White, Pollock and AJ with significant injury histories. Should we have, um, should and could the club have sourced better depth in these areas? Uh, well, doesn't the list manager follow the instructions of the coaching panel and what they want? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, most so, of them often they're not, you would think. So I'd probably blame... Oh, I can hear your gin <laughs> sloshing around in the back background Sorry. there. <laughs> Alco- alcoholic. Um, and what did you call gin? Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You liar. <laughs> this is a PG-rated uh, program, mate. Oh, now it's PG. <laughs> what about last time when it was F this and F that <clears throat> and F and F and, and F and... Nah, look, I'd play... I, I'm going to assume that it's the coaching staff giving the director, directives to the list manager, so I'd be putting more emphasis on the coaching staff and Jason Crisp is just doing his job. I mean, they're, they're, they'd be look, telling him who to lock into contracts and who not and what they're looking for at the draft table... So to suit their game style, and we added know, some we good need midfield a, depth. Yeah, we need. A, so I think we was, need at least another we dozen right halfback flankers. Oh, More least, halfback yeah. flankers. I definitely think we should chase Sean Burgoyne because uh, I think the one thing that we definitely need is a thirty-six-year-old halfback flanker. He'd probably be better than the ones we have got though. Mm. Uh, long live PAFC. This will be the last question. Any chance this is just classic Burjo overtraining and will we come out and overrun everyone in the second half of the year? Well, it was interesting because we did look flat. and We did um, in that second half. We were. And what was what was my biggest agitator were these, the half-hearted tackles, but then they fall to ground. Hmm. There's nothing worse than seeing the players try to tackle, not bring the player to ground, but they fall to ground. Yeah, it happens all the time. And Sam Gray was notorious for this on Saturday night, but he wasn't alone. Um, Hamish did it a couple of times before he got injured as well, but um, there's no point trying to lay a tackle. Robbie Gray's the same. Yeah. If Robbie doesn't mark, he always, always falls to ground. Always. Because all all you're doing is what... How many times were one of our players on the ground because they tried to tried in italic brackets a tackle, and then the Richmond players just ran off? Yeah, it, it just happened all the time. Yeah. And so either a we were really really tired and lethargic, and we did look tired and lethargic. Jasper couldn't even bring up a gallop, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if it's Burjo or if it was just the players or whatever, but something didn't look right. And we still fall over so often, like especially in defence, like we just seem to be outbodied so easily. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very, very frustrating. But look, for me, I'd say if this is classic Burjo overtraining, I think we'll come out and have probably eighteen hamstring injuries in the second half of the year. <laughs> uh, you got to sprint for that, though. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's go on to our review and talk about the game in a bit more detail. Port played Richmond on Saturday night and came away with a, a very disappointing loss by 13 points. Eight goals, 15 
to 11 goals, 10. Sammy Pau Pepper was the only multiple goal kicker with two. Where do we begin with this one, mate? Why did we lose this game? Uh, well, I think we lost the game because we didn't have enough coaching courage and we lost it at the selection table once again. And uh, the, the players just didn't play with enough energy and vigour mm-hmm. for the whole, the whole four quarters. What about the selections do you think lost us the game? Well, is that just a, uh, a trick question? You're trying to fire me up here with the general consensus? Well, I think, I think we definitely missed a tall target, right? Up forward, a, a specialist forward. And I'm, everyone's right with the experiment of Jackson Tringo isn't great uh, up forward, and he's not a forward. And I think having this negative mindset of trying to tag Rance was just poor. And if you, even if you were going to do that, that means you're really nullifying one of your tall forwards, which means you need another one in the side because you can't. it places too much unfair pressure on Charlie Dixon and too much of a predictable fo- focal point. Um, so you need, whether it's a Brett Eddy or a Howard or even a Frampton, um, you, need, you need another tall forward up there or a utility like Palmer uh, even if, I don't know if he's justified selection at the moment, but we need someone up there that can provide another marking target um, to actually uh, provide and try to provide some space because those guys that lead create a space vortex behind them for someone else to lead into if you deliver the ball properly. And that was probably the next part. Our, our forward structure overall was non-existent. Uh, I think some people pointed out, you know, Chad seemed to be getting sick of it with his long bombs near the end. Um, but yeah, we just had a poor forward structure to go with it. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have that vortex being created. We didn't have the players leading into the space. And um, yeah, I think the play, I think the players were confused as much as the supporters. Yeah. Well, look, let's talk about the the big elephant in the room, and that's Jackson Trengove and his forward play. Uh, the fact that he was essentially tagging uh, Alex Rance so that our full forward was essentially playing a full-backs role at full forward, which is uh, just baffling. And I, look, I thought it, it kind of worked in the first half. Like, when Rance was concentrating on Dixon <clears throat> and Trengove was trying to get in between them and create space for Dixon, I thought that worked really quite well. But as soon as Richmond changed tack and said, nah, we'll just let Rance play on Trengove, we'll let Asprey play on Dixon... That's when the game really sort of changed, and Trengove just literally became a defender at full forward. Like, Rance was literally leading him to the ball every single time uh, the ball went forward. Trengove wasn't leading. He wasn't moving. He was just following Rance as if Rance was, like, playing at full forward and Trengove was back in 2014 mode sort of thing. It's one of the most baffling coaching decisions I think I've ever seen. Well, I just don't understand why we're trying to tag a fullback anyway. It's a fullback. Yeah, the fullback. If you kick the ball to a leading forward, generally the fullback is going to be trailing, and a great fullback will be right on their back, but and it's still able to spoil, uh, which Rance is capable of. But at least he's that is not being able to create the play um, mm. by you know. So I mean, it, it, it's just staggering. That, yeah, I can kind of understand pathway. why they why they tried to put someone on him in a little bit more of a, 
accountable role. Um, because Rance is very good at... Like, he's their number one rebound player as well. Uh, they look for him a lot. His ability to play that sort of third man up role when the ball comes in and spoil the ball and, and chase it down. Like he's, he's very, very good at that. Because I can understand why they wanted his opponent to be accountable. But there's being accountable and then there's just being purely defensive. And I think that's where we went terribly wrong. So I'm not sure if that was a coaching decision or whether Trengove just got what he was supposed to do wrong. Um, but you can't have a full forward who just doesn't bother about getting the ball at all. Like that's, well, like, it's bad enough that we play a five-man forward line as it is. So when you're playing someone up there who's basically pointless, and you're playing, a, you can't win games with a four-man forward line. It's not going to happen. No, and I mean if Jack, if Jackson's not following the instructions, well, it's still the coach's fault. Because mm. they shouldn't be playing him if he can't follow their instructions. So either their instructions are too complicated or Jackson's not smart enough. And I know Jackson and he's, he's a smart guy, so yeah. he'd be able to follow instructions. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of this loss is really um, comes down to the coaches. I think they, the players were scared to win the game and that's probably a directive from the coaches. I mean, Mark Williams used to be like that a little bit too fear the loss instead of um, uh, being courageous for the win. And, uh, you know, you know what happened with that for us for a couple of years. And uh, I just get that vibe again. You know, the coaches just fear the loss and fear the opposition too much and fear Rance instead of going, okay, yeah, Rance is a great player, um, but let's just kick the ball to our forwards, put it into an advantageous position, and maybe you have a couple of people at the fall of the ball and one of the, one of them is... Okay, you make sure you hold your feet, and if it's spoilt, you then tag Rance in that loose ball play, hmm. right? And then have just have that loose ball player, which is faster than Jackson anyway, tagging him after the fall of the ball. Yeah, maybe that's a better a strategy. Um, but well, I can uh, kind of see that Trengove was probably trying to keep Rance out of the play. Like he was basically not moving from the goal square. So if that was his strategy, fine. Um, but he really needed to start leading in other directions to get Rance away from where we were going, uh, mm. which might have worked. Maybe Rance, like Rance is a very smart footballer. He's obviously the best you know, key defender of the last sort of five or six years. Um, mm. So it may not have worked, and he might have just zoned off anyway, but you've got to try something different than just standing in the goal square. Correct. That's right, and that's, I think that's the whole thing Because as we know, like, <laughs> Tringo's not a, a good mark. Up forward, he's no. taken one mark in one mark inside fifty in the last seven weeks. Like it's just, it's not working. Like so, that leads no. me on to my second part of this question: What do we do with Trangove? Because we probably can't really move him back down into the the defensive line at the moment because Why the not? defense, well, because the defense is performing really, really well um, as a group. So. I... I'm reluctant okay, to well, sort of drop, drop anybody from that line at the moment, to be honest. So what do we do well, with Jackson Trengo? You drop him. I don't I don't care if we're dropping people based on uh, pay packets. You know, it should all solely be performance. Yeah. So if there's no fit for him in the forward line and you don't want to put him in the back line, well, then he gets dropped. It doesn't matter if he's on four, five, six hundred thousand bucks a year. 
Well, he goes to the reserves, right? Same for Jasper Pittard. Same for Broadbent or Hartlett. You know, same for anybody. Yeah. Because if you just start, if you start picking players because they get paid a crap load of money, well, then you end up in this position that we're in now. Right? They know they're not going to get dropped. They know they're not going to be held accountable. I don't accountable. think we're picking so, him just because he's on a big pay packet. I think we're just trying to make it work and he's got more faith in Trengove than he's got in a Dougal Howard or a Todd Marshall or a Brett or, and that's why we're or doing Brady. it. Or um, do, do you again, honestly think... Again, fine, okay, that, that's fine, but it's not working. I, I, I actually feel... I really do feel sorry for Jackson Trengove. Like, it's not his fault. Um, no. He's a, he's a bloody good defender. He's a highly underrated defender. His stats are exceptional. Uh, he's one of the best sort you. of shutdown defenders in the league. And he's being forced to play a role that he's completely not suited to um, just because he, he played so well in the ruck last year. Um, you, and we, think, we, we tried honest... to sort of shoehorn him into being this sort of forward. Well, hopefully he can take a few marks and kick a couple of goals because he's 197 centimetres tall. And when he's not doing that, we know he's going to do a decent job as the chop-out ruck. And then we'll have Ryder up forward. But it's just not working. Do you honestly think that Brett Eddy would be worse than him at AFL level as a forward? <clears throat> uh, I think Brett Eddy will probably... If he was to come in and play the rest of the year, I reckon he'd be someone that could average maybe five marks in a goal a game. I don't think he's the type of player that's going to come in and kick two and a half goals a game for the rest of the year. Um, and we saw that in, but his, it... in his three games. He played a really good game against Frio, and he was a spectator in the other two. But he knows he he knows how to lead though, you know? And even even when he didn't get used in those other but games, but we we don't know how to deliver the ball, and that's the problem. Yes, but at least a leading player is creating some sort of space, and um, yeah, I think I think any of those players would, would just create a bit more action. And I'd rather I'd rather see Jackson there with Cleary and Homsch and and uh, Jonas than uh, down back. And uh, then up forward. Yeah. I'd rather be a bit too tall and slow down back than him up forward. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I want to talk about a positive before I get on to some more negatives, and that's uh, Tommy Cleary, who had I thought had a, a wonderful game once again. He kept Jack Rewalt to just the one scoring shot. Uh, really contained him quite well. Um, he really is having a monster year, isn't he? He is. He is. He's. Um, he was good again. Um, he did fall to ground once, but we'll let we'll let that one slide back. Up. But no, he uh, Rewalt's a great player to keep him one goal. And look, overall, the defensive structure still kept Richmond to seventy six points. Yeah. Right. So we kept them to a beatable score. We just didn't score ourselves. Enough. Yeah. No. So look, I and I think I thought Jonas played all right. Yeah, again. I thought Jonas was good again. Yeah. So I think those key backs, obviously Hompshire's out, but I know you've been a little bit more critical on Hompshire, but uh, I think, you know, Hompsch, Jonas, Cleary, most definitely are doing their job. And I think the other positive was, until injury, I thought Hamish was looking fantastic. Yeah, well, that's, that's very true. And look, that was almost the uh, turning point of the game. Oh, I'm not sure if it was just coincidence or not, but... It seemed like as soon as Hamish went off the ground, that's when uh, Richmond really started to get on top. 
and uh, well, really started to find some space in, um, in that sort of forward 70 metres of the ground because Hamish was playing a bloody good game. I would say he was almost best on ground at that point. Um, well, I, now he was I chopping off everything. He was using the ball really, really well. He was playing how Hamish Hartlett should play down back. Do you think he was taken out? It looked like a little bit of a malicious knee there to his, uh, to his oh, body. I think it was just a football collision. It happens. Uh, it's too nice at AFL these days. They don't do anything dirty like that, do they? Not at all. No, at but all. I agree with you. He he was setting. He did so. He did some perfect pass, like 45, 50 meter passes that were attacking, which was then allowing us to sort of work through the zone and and yeah, get that space in the fo- inside fifty. Um, yeah, and again, yeah, I've been hypercritical of Hamish, but I thought he was very good. He was doing the intercept marks, like you said, he was doing some aggressive and attacking uh, uh, delivery outside of our defensive zone. And we definitely missed him because we just lost all of that sort of flair when he went out. Yeah, that's right. I want to talk about Chad Wingard. I'll just list off his stats. Uh, He had 39 touches, 6 marks, 10 clearances, 14 inside 50s. How did you think he played? I thought he was okay. I I know you're a bit critical, but I mean... He had no structure to deliver to, but at least, and it was that—that that was the sort of game. It was sort of an unaccountable, unaccountable game for both sides. So it meant that some midfielders could rack up a lot of possession. But yeah, unfortunately, he didn't have much to deliver to too often. Now, you want to counter that one? I thought he was wasteful. I thought he was sort of skulking out the back, getting the easy ball too much. Um, he wasn't really sort of putting on any sort of defensive pressure that I could tell. When, I, when I've dreamt about Chad Wingard having a 39 disposal <laughs> game, I assume that we're going to win by about 15 goals <laughs> because he's that damaging as a player that if he's going to get that much of the ball, have 10 clearances, 14 inside 50s, you assume he's going to hit people lace out time and time again and we're going to kick. 26 goals for the game, but it just didn't happen. He kept either kicking too short or over people's heads or to the wrong spot. Um, yeah, I was I was really disappointed. I, to be honest, I was really surprised that he had 39 touches to begin with. Like at the ground, I reckon, at the, kind of near the start of the third quarter, I think I even yelled out, "Do something, Chad!" And then I sort of went on my phone and had a look at his stats, and he'd had something like 28 touches to that point, and I actually laughed. I was like, you can't be serious. I've I've barely noticed anything positive that he's done at that point. Um, I'm actually surprised that you were dreaming about Chad and football. Oh, why not, mate? He's very dreamy. (laughs) He's very, very dreamy. But, you know, ironically, around that same point of the game, the, the guys that were sitting behind me, uh, one guy actually said the same thing. You know, when's Chad Wingard going to do something? His mate said, he's the leading possession getter on the ground. And they're like, what, really? And he's like, yeah, check out the stats. So um, so you weren't alone with, like, what's Chad doing? Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I just reckon that I was very, very surprised by that. And I just thought, well, usually if he's going to have that much of the ball, I would expect him to be like a 10 out of 10 best on ground by a mile, but I could barely sneak him into the top five, I reckon. But I think, um, I think you could question that from all of our midfield on the weekend. Yeah. Oh, I thought Wines was probably our best player 
Um, certainly our most consistent four-quarter player, I reckon. Uh, and the most damaging of our mids. Yeah, but he's always like that. He uh, yeah. He's a great player and he's, a, uh, I guess, the future captain in waiting, yeah. isn't he? Right, Matty White, who's uh, obviously coming for his second game in a row, uh, which was debatable enough as it is, but come on, Matty, you got to kick those goals. Just how deflating was that at the ground when he missed those couple of dead-easy set shots? Yeah, it's uh, it was very... But at the same time, I thought Jake Need was a bit of a coward with um, with one of them as well. Hmm. He, um, Jake could have... Uh, you know, he was in a straight in front of goals and uh, he could have had the courage to have gone for goal himself but didn't. And then ha- and pass that buck on to uh, Matty White. But at the end of the day, Matty White's a great player, so um, he should have uh, he should have slobbed him. And I wonder if he had a bit of a bit of fatigue from the week before. First game back, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Look, we're we're putting trust in these senior players instead of going the youth route. He's got to kick those goals. But that's the only reason why he's in the team is to make. <laughs> you know, make things count. Um, if he's not, and he's going to miss those sorts of opportunities, then there's no point in him being in the side. No, I agree with you. I, I, to be honest, I would, if I was the coaching staff, I'd, if there was enough players that could replace them, I would be holding uh, these serial poor performers in front of goal all accountable. Mm. You know, it's it's not acceptable by a senior player. And look, Manny White's a better player than that. Yeah, I thought I thought over the history of Port Adelaide, he's been a pretty consistent. He's been a good goal, goal kicker. Yeah, yeah, he's been a good goal kicker for us. Yeah. And you can't blame conditions. I mean, I'll say to my son, I can't believe we're in July and there was no dew at the ground. Yeah, it was I mean, perfect. It was, it was perfect conditions, amazing conditions, and yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, it just isn't it isn't good enough. And they they need to be held account and. Yeah, I hope it's just not the same old people that are scapegoated and made accountable this week. Yeah. I mean, I want to talk about Jasper Pittard, Macca. All right. I'm a, I'm a big Jasper fan. We know. But I've, I've got to say, I reckon that was his most woeful game that I've ever seen him play. I don't know, I don't know if he's fit. He didn't, he didn't even seem to try and run. He didn't seem to go at full pace. He seemed disinterested. Um, I was shocked. That is not the Jasper Pittard that I've, I've watched play. He's always been attacking. He's always tried to take the game on. He's always tried always try to be evasive with the players, and there was nothing. It was a very uninspired Jasper Pittard. He was. I think you could probably say the same about Broadbent. I'm not sure if he was 100% fit coming back into the side. He, he looked to be laboring a fair bit as well. Um yeah, I don't know. Jasper just is terribly out of form at the moment. He's just not having any sort of year at all. Um, well, then don't play him. Why Why play exactly. these out-of-form players hoping that they're going to find form? Exactly. Reward, we, don't, we don't need seven back flankers in the side. So let's no. get rid of Pittard and replace him with another forward and see how that goes. Correct. Or replace him with Atley, another midfielder. Mm. You know, worst-case scenario. I mean... Yeah, you know, don't pick Atley and put him in a half-back flank. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, let's not just pick these guys and hope that they're going to find four. And 
because it's not working for us and it hasn't worked for us for the last two seasons. So, yeah. yeah. And Broadbent's another one, but Broadbent can be a serial pest at not showing up for the big games. Yeah. <clears throat> That's it. Um, Dustin Martin and uh, what's his name? Trent Cochin. Like Brad Ebert went to Cochin. Um, do you think that was the right decision? Well, I thought we held Dustin Martin reasonably well. I mean, he's a great player. I mean, God, he is so strong. He had 36 you know, touches, him, mate. <laughs> I know, but he was... He didn't. It was a bit like Chad Wingard, you know. In the beginning, he, he didn't seem that influential, but as the game went on, obviously, he became a lot more influential. And his goal was fantastic that he kicked uh, that goal, in the ba- on the boundary. I want to, that goal was one of the best goals I've seen live. Like he ran the length, he sprinted the length of the field to get to that spot to win the ball, and then steadied and kicked that goal. That was. One of the most impressive goals I've seen in a very, very long time. And I hope yeah. that we get the footage of that from behind the goals and we show all of our players what is expected to become elite um, because that's something that an elite player does and I don't think we've got a player that is capable of doing that in our side at the moment. Well, that's an indictment on the players because they should know that already, right? And th- this is what got me. When they strung those goals together... Um, Richmond, Richmond were winning on banking on winning the ball, and on the far side to try and get around our zone, they had a couple of spare players hanging out there, just hoping that they would win the ball and they would have be able to outnumber us and then run in, run into that little bit of that space to have a shot at goal. Yeah, and they did it twice in the third and then at the beginning of the fourth, and we did nothing to try and uh, change it up. But yeah, Dustin's a great player. He's strong. Um, probably the strongest player in the league now. And, uh, you know, he's impossible to tackle. And the one thing that excites oh, me, I for guess, For God's sake, that... like, can we... <laughs> I, I understand he's very good at the, uh, at the don't argue, but surely there is another way to try and tackle him than running at him with your arms wide open at, like a three-year-old running to mum. Like, that just... Try and grab his arm. Do something different than running at him with your arms out wide, because that's just yeah. that's just inviting to be uh, straight armed. You know, it's it's just silly. Well, they've like, got the, they've got the perfect player to try and practice on a training. Exactly, exactly right. Like you know, every time you're going to run at him, he is going to do that. Like yeah, everybody in the country knows that that's going to happen. Like, surely you come at it from a different angle. I don't know. Maybe it is really, really impossible to try and tackle in that situation. I don't know. I'm not a footballer. But um, I just thought all our players did the exact same thing when we tried to tackle Martin, and it didn't work once. Mm. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. I'm like you. I'm not the best footballer in the world, so I don't I don't know. And maybe it's a lot harder to do than what we think. But... Um... I would have thought, you know, you could maybe do some sort of martial arts move and just bring your arms inside and try and bring his arm back and then run through for the tackle. I don't know, but easier said than done. But Mm. at least try and do something different. Yeah. It was frustrating seeing him don't argue. I think there was one stage where he did it about three times in in the one sort of possession. It was just like, tackle him. Oh, tackle him. Oh, for God's sake, tackle him. And then they ended up kicking a goal, which made it even worse. So... 
That was great. But yeah. talking about uh, mini Dustin Martin, Sammy Powell Pepper was great once again. Like twenty four touches, two goals. He was uh, he was bloody good out there. He's fantastic. And uh, what would we be like if we didn't draft him? Oh, thank yeah. God we did. Yeah, because uh, we had a plan and we got it. But yeah, he's been amazing. And uh, and he sort he sort of excites me like watching Dustin Martin to think. Well, this kid's probably going to be just as good as him in you know four years' time. Yeah. Um, like strength-wise, body-wise, uh, he's a great goal kicker as well. Um, so it's it's very exciting for us what SPP is going to come. Hopefully, uh, you know, some people say that you know, yeah, but we'll Port Adelaide him. So hopefully that's not the case, and maybe hopefully he can Port Adelaide um, the players around him instead. Yeah, a bit like what Joel Selwood does at Geelong. For sure, for sure. Well, that's all I've got, mate. Have you got anything else to add uh, for this game? Uh, yeah, I the, the the one thing I would add is Macca. I almost think, I can't believe I'm saying it, I've always been pretty logical with this, but I almost think if we want to even make finals, we almost need to get rid of him, please. We're not going to get rid of him mid-season. It's not going to happen. Well, I'm just saying... I think I don't. I think we need to get rid of Hinkley, and I think we need to put in um, someone maybe like Bassett. And I know that might contradict the uh, the boring aspect of football that I was complaining about, but it's a lot easier to watch boring football when you're winning than losing. But uh, I just can't see us doing what we need to do to make finals with Hinkley in charge. And I'm happy for you to record this and cut it and uh, play it to me at the end of the season if we make finals. But uh, I'm not overly convinced. I think, we'll still make, I, I think we'll still make finals. Um, what we do there is another question. But as I've said, I think we play finals-type football. And I think it will stand up in finals if we do get there. And I'm, I'm hoping to be proven right in that uh, if we do make it there, we'll actually beat the, the teams that we should beat. Are we two tall targets short then up forward? Legitimate two, two tall oh, targets? I, I think we're definitely... A legitimate tall forward short. So replace Trengove with someone that can actually play as a forward uh, would certainly go some way of, of helping for sure. Well, I mean, do you think like having um, Howard and Eddie in the side up forward instead of Trengove and, I don't know, Jake Need, do you think will be a better forward line for something like that? Mm. Possibly. Is it is it worth... Uh, playing Trengover's first ruck and having Ryder as the second hole forward? Uh, well, based on last week's game, I thought so. I wasn't inspired with Paddy Ryder. I, I thought Paddy looked lethargic and a little bit disinterested. He made quite a few mistakes, especially in the first half. Um, you know, yeah. dropped some sort of easy marks and, and that sort of thing. Um, but his yeah. ruck work was, was exceptional. But we know that Ryder is a good forward. Like, he can take grabs. He can take contested marks. He's a really good kick for goal. Um, yeah. He's obviously he's a step above Tregengove in, in the ruck as well, but maybe that's an option that we need to sort of follow through if we aren't prepared to um, actually bring in someone else. Yeah. His around-the-ground stuff's just a little bit off at the moment, but maybe he's starting to feel the, uh, the rest period. Maybe it's catching up to him. The conditioning. Yeah. Possibly. But other Let's... than that, I've got nothing else to say and I hope that we uh, we turn it around for um, 
the West Coast game. Well, so I know you're optimistic. Very, very quick chat about the SANFL because we lost that one as well to uh, Woodville West Torrens by 27 points, 8 goals, 10 to 12 goals, 13. Brett Eddy, who we've spoken about, kicked three goals. Dougal Howard, who we've also spoken about, has kicked two. Um, so what should we do there? Uh, I don't know. What can we do there? There's, I'm not um, sure. Has Eddie done enough to come into the side, do you think? Oh, debatable, I guess. But I think he's probably just um, suffering from the perspective of uh, maybe the style we're playing at the SANFL, which is like the AFL level as well. But, I mean, it's the reserve. So um, mm. it's going to be inconsistent and up and down. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to be winning uh, week after week. So, um yeah, well, I'd be happy to give him an opportunity. I yeah. uh, I didn't see this flawed, um, disabled defender forward that people are, or the coaches are talking about. Um, I just thought I saw a good forward that was leading well that wasn't getting used quite often, yeah. and um, that's how I saw it. But but I'd love to get both of those guys on the side. I I really think there's two players that are playing that are expendable, and I even think that maybe Mumphreys needs a bit of experience up there. With Mumphreys needs to come in as well. Well, that's that's certainly possible. The good thing, in my opinion, is that Joe Attlee had a, a great game. He was best on ground again. Twenty five touches, thirteen tackles, kicked a goal as well. So get him in. I'm not sure what more he can do to get a game. To be honest, get him in. Oh, here's something I got a little bit of tidbit of information mm. you know everyone says that Hamish doesn't play midfield because he's not fit enough yeah I I was told by by somebody it was uh, not that he's not fit enough but he doesn't understand stuff enough okay to play there but All I'd right. get Atley in absolutely for that, sure that I mean the concern for me is that uh, Jimmy Tumpus was also very good. He had 27 touches. Um, I'm really hoping that our only change isn't going to be need out Tumpus in. Uh, but it also would not surprise me if it is. It won't be. I don't think so. They have to give Atley a go. They've tried Tumpus. They know what they're going to get and they've failed. Um, you know, Archie was serviceable again too by the sounds of it. But, but you've got to give him a go. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, give them all a go. Porsche wants to know if you're about to jump off a bridge because it's noisy as. And Dylan says uh, uh, giving up on Pittard was the giveaway. <laughs> I, um, I'm waiting for this to finish so I can get my laundry out of the laundry mat because I don't have a dryer and I've got wet sheets. and It's, it's louder out in the laundry than what it is on the road. So, That's it. Um, I'm, I'm stalking the laundry mat to get my feet so I can go home to bed. <clears throat> All right, well, we'll let you go, mate. And um, look, good luck, good luck with that uh, incontinence issue that you have as well. So, Well, I didn't have it until Port Adelaide started being diabolical. Yep. There we go. All right. So, fire up, Mecca. Fire up. Too nice. I am too nice. angry. We want the leaders, I want to see the leaders stand up on uh, Saturday. You step... Are you the um, are you the go-to guy with Porsche on Thursday for this exciting affair? I think so. Yeah. And just quickly, what did everyone on the chat and yourself think of the the knee, Nick Rewalt calling for the ball, not grabbing the ball, and getting a fifty-meter penalty? Uh, I don't think it got mentioned once. So. Hey. I don't but think it got mentioned think, once. What do you think about that? 
Oh, I didn't see it, so I don't know. Oh, didn't you? No. <laughs> oh, it's a big controversy. He was, yeah, one of his teammates uh, got a free or a mark or whatever it was. And uh, and so the West Coast player, no, what was it? Fremantle player picked up the ball and Nick Rewalt was like five metres in front of him and said, yeah, chuck me the ball. And so the Freo player chucked him the ball and then he turns to the side and lets the ball jump drop past him and goes to the umpire, what's going on there? And so the umpire gives a 50-metre penalty. Uh, fair enough. And, uh, yeah, it's an outrage. Check it out. Check it I out. like it's, it. Sounds like something I'd do, mate. You, you dirty dog. <laughs> All right, I'm into the, All right, buddy. into the laundromat. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy the West Coast game. Until Hopefully next time. We'll do better. Come We're going to win. Power. Power. Yeah. Punched away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two or two. Burgoyne!